This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Sex is extended. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. Not only Judd and Declan, I suppose, did I have to sit in a dentist chair for the past two hours. I had to sit in that chair knowing that Boudreaux got fired for God knows what reason. I can't, can't quite understand why you would cut a coach loose who is literally dragging along a bunch of third-line players to four points out of a playoff spot when you've got Declan Goff in net. Like, I'm baffled by it. Like, if your if goal, okay, maybe miss the playoffs this year and then and then compete next year why wouldn't you want a coach who you know could win with the jv squad at bloomington jefferson instead of cutting them now when you're going to you're going to cap yourself next year you're going to have cap space because you're not going to bring koivu back i don't understand why you do it now well that was an, that was an epic call from ventline weekdays 11 a.m on score north the score north app and available anywhere you find podcasts and the news of the day, as many of you have probably heard, or maybe you've just been in a shell because you've been at work all day, but Wild coach Bruce Boudreaux fired this morning about 12 hours after the Wild blew a 3-1 to lead to the New York Rangers last night. Yep. And uh, Boudreaux goes down as the winningest coach percentage-wise in Wild history. They've only had a handful of coaches, but he was the winningest coach percentage-wise in the regular season in Wild franchise history. And although he did win only two playoff games, in nearly four years, I think we all agree he's been a pretty damn good regular season coach. And, Rami, there are days like when Kobe Bryant's teammates cleared out when he scored 81 points against the Raptors where you just sort of take a step back and they give the ball to the guy who's got the hot hand. You want me to talk hockey? All right. Yep. Cool. <laughs> Rami Macklaw. He's got confidence. <laughs> he's got a lot of confidence after uh, noon today. Don't the be flo- don't be Smush Parker. The here, floor okay? is mine, yeah. huh? Is that what you're about to say? The floor is yours, Robbie Macklaw. For your Smush Parker, just putting up Jays <laughs> today. Is that no. not where you were going? Uh, Judd Zulga oh, okay. will be our right. Kobe Bryant okay. today. Uh, Greg Wyshynski oh. from ESPN.com and from the Puck Soup Podcast will join. In about 10 minutes, 10 days of Twins talk. Also, the Celtics are going to retire KG's number before the Timberwolves, which we'll dive into. But, Judd, my first question to you is, not was Bruce Boudreaux the problem, because there are a lot of problems with the Wild. Mm -hmm. Was he even a problem? Not that I could tell. There's so many possibilities to unpack as to why he was fired with 25 games left. The Wild got off to a 1-6 and start. And at that point in time, it looked like they were going to be one of the worst teams. And 
with the way this league works, which is to fire coaches quickly, him being fired after seven to ten games wouldn't have shocked me. They went through a stretch November into December where I believe they had something like 11 or 12 consecutive games with points, at which point they are picking up points at a ridiculous rate, and Boudreaux is literally like milking every point possible. And I said to myself, is this really what they want? Now, it wouldn't have gone over well, but we have seen coaches like that with teams that aren't very good win too much and get relieved of their duties. I know it's not ordinary, but it's happened. But with 25 games left this morning after blowing a two-goal lead last night, but still getting a point against the Rangers, and by the way, the Rangers are an up-and-coming really good team, so this was not a blown lead against a bad team. This is a blown lead against a good team. And you're not as good. It's just that simple. To pull the plug today, and I just got done speculating on Judd's Hockey Podcast with our guy Declan about this, and Lou Nanny told me he thinks I'm wrong, but the only thing that I could speculate is they traded Zucker on Monday. Bill Guerin is planning on trading Dumba or Brodeen before the trade deadline, which is two weeks or a week from Monday, February 24th. And that Bruce basically looked at Bill and said, dude, I'm three points out of a playoff spot. I'm in the last year of my contract. I need more help, not less help. And Guerin, if he said this, rightfully so, could have said, and this is all, all hypotheses, which actually... Just to be clear, it flies in the face of what Garrett said at his press conference today, although in that case, you got a sports lie to a certain degree. Um, but privately, I could see Garrett saying, I'm sorry, Bruce, but one, I have no pressure right now. Two, I'm trying to build something for the future right now. And the Zucker trade, short-term, not great. Long-term could be fantastic. So the only thing, guys, that I can get my head around is that Bruce basically was told, we're going to keep subtracting from this current roster. We're probably going to miss the playoffs. And in the last year of his contract, knowing full well that he probably wouldn't be back. Him being fired, just to be clear, not a surprise. The timing is a surprise. Yeah. So that he was basically told, if if you can't, if you don't want to make this work now, that's up to you. I'm actually sort of surprised it took as long as it did. Because, correct mm-hmm. me, so his contract was up in two months anyways. His so contract then, expires at the end of this season. He's got a two-year consultant fee deal, but yes, his coaching contract is done. But he's a he's a lame duck coach, Correct. and they keep. The, I think they've made their intentions pretty clear. This is, if not a full-scale rebuild, it's definitely a, a take a step back. This isn't Stanley Cup championship aspirations this year. Yep. And so I'm actually kind of surprised that Bruce Boudreaux wasn't out to either at the beginning of the season or early on at some point say, listen. I mean, we're obviously like we'll do as well as we can this year. But do you want to resign me for three more years? Do we want to do? We, do we want to lock into this marriage and and do this thing? And if not, hey, that's totally cool. Hey, we we had our shot, had a couple a couple playoff uh, appearances, and, and he's going to get, get a done. job for sure. It's not like he's not going to get a job. He's really good at what he does. So is is part of it that maybe he maybe this conversation went down and and because sometimes coaches get fired on winning teams around this time too, and like we've seen it before where. A guy will get fired out of the blue, a number three seed team or something. And is it possible Bruce Boudreaux could get a job this year even? Like, I wonder if that was part of the discussion. Is there a fringe playoff team that's just looking for a better guiding hand? Although he doesn't exactly have the playoff track record that would lend you to believe that, you know, he's he's going to buzz through four rounds of the playoffs. But um, I think I think my next question to you would be how, what what other moves does this signal? Does this signal... Full scale well, rebuild. Like gonna, what, what follows? It's this? going to make more sense now if the the answer to my to the scenario I just painted for you guys will be almost certainly yes. If they make another trade that, that subtracts 
what we consider to be a significant player to a week from Monday. You know, Eric Stahl, who I think could help a contender on the third line, looks a thousand years old right now. It's just not working. Um, if Brodeen or Dumba, who, by the way, I don't endorse being traded, are moved, that will that will almost certainly then signify that they told Bruce, "Sorry, but we're going going to yank the rug out from under you." Um, the other conversation here that Garen alluded to in his press conference, and I sort of hope is not true, but the other part is that the loss last night, that some of the elements of that loss did bother him, that he does perceive this as being a potential playoff team, that he didn't like what he saw, and so he thinks that Dean Everson, an assistant coach, who, by the way, he didn't hire initially, that's a Paul Fenton hire, is somehow going to magically get more from the players in my heart of hearts, I can't believe that's the truth. But Rami and I talked about this ex- extensively. And in fact, th- this is where he came up huge t- uh, today with a great parallel. On, wow. Killed on the hockey Live. Right here, man. Crushed the hockey No, dog. you did. I did. Thank you. Laced up the old skates, got out there on the ice, and did that hockey. And where he did it was, was the X Factor, which is Craig Leopold. Is Craig Leopold putting subtle pressure on Bill Guerin to try and make the playoffs? Because, Phil, you've seen this before. Craig Leopold's a super fan. He wants a win. He, he is. He sees empty seats. Mm-hmm. He would love to have people in that building for even two playoff games because that's straight cash that you're not going to get. And did Guerin, does Guerin see something last night or in the last couple of weeks that bothers him so much that he's like, okay, if we're going to get this thing across the finish line and be a playoff team, and by the way, again, I'll go back, they're only three points out, is Garen saying to himself, I think that Everson's the guy that can do that. I hope the answer to that is no. I, I, I hope I am recklessly speculating incorrectly completely, but there's enough different scenarios here and enough different players as far as executives go and Craig goes that I can't 100% guarantee that this is being done for the right reasons. And as Judd was describing that, it sounded like the very description that people made time and time again during my years in Milwaukee about former Bucks owner Herb Cole. Huge Bucks fan, Milwaukee native. He was a senator too, but it was his dream to own the Milwaukee Bucks growing up. He found some fortune, found some success. He bought the Bucks, and he loved just sitting courtside in his in his seats and he had his popcorn and his drink and he had his people around him and he just loved watching a Bucks team that could barely make the playoffs year after year after year. That's Craig Leopold but in a suite. And he yeah. and and he I'm sure he he loved the money that it put in his pocket with the extra the extra home playoff games or whatever the case might be. But ultimately I think it was it was delusion that drove him to do that. Delusion that A this is what fans want. And B, that if you spin your wheels long enough in NBA purgatory of just barely making the playoffs, never getting a high enough draft pick to do anything, that eventually the wheels would stick. Eventually the wheels would catch, and one of these years you'd get out of that ditch and actually be a championship contender. And it wasn't until Herb Cole finally he got a little older, decided it was time to get out of the game, sold the team to some younger, more forward-thinking, more innovative minds that they have there now, and you see the success that they have. And it wasn't that it wasn't that Herb Cole was a bad guy or didn't care. I'm sure part of it was the money that you got from making the playoffs, but like I said, it was also he thought this is what the fans want, a a competitive product on the floor every year even if they never have any real hopes of winning a championship, and that eventually 
you'll you'll catch lightning in a bottle and and it'll go farther than you yeah. know six playoff games in the end of your year. See the the wild to me has hit the fork in the road that we all knew was going to come six seven years ago when they signed Ryan Suter and Zach Parisi, which is you these are these are thirteen year contracts that take these guys into their forties, but they're it's great right now six seven years ago because these guys are two of the best players in the NHL and instantly make you a playoff team and a Stanley Cup contender. But at some point, that window is going to come, if not completely closed, it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to be cracked open, maybe. Yep. And those guys are going to be in their mid-30s, and then their upper 30s, and then they're going to hit 40, and they're not going to be good enough to carry a franchise anymore, but they still make a lot of money. And then you're going to have to decide, do you want to keep trying to resuscitate this thing with those guys on the roster, or... Is it even possible to go into rebuild mode with those guys on the roster? And those are all realities and questions that the Wild are facing right now. And here's where I think if if Garen, if the move to today was made because Bruce said, dude, I want to make the playoffs, and Bill Garen said, sorry, n- not possible probably. Here's where they're on the right track. So if, if you pick Dore here, if this is a game show, and there's the Garen door, the Boudreaux door, and the Leopold door, and Dore is the Garen door, and it's the one that I think he's working off of. This is very possible to turn around fairly quickly because of, of this. The salary cap is gradually going up some. Parisi and Suter's contracts are still albatrosses, but they're not as bad as they appeared to be a couple of years back. The other key thing is, and this this was the thing, this is what got Fletcher fired, and it's what I think was very difficult for him and a lot of fans, uh, Phil, in this town. The thing that was very difficult was to wrap your head around when it was just clear the coil... Nina Ryder, Spurgeon, Grandlin. back to Nina Ryder. Um, <laughs> when it knows, but in all seriousness, when it became clear that those that four that four core was more talented, but basically it ended up in some ways, I think, being the parallel of the Twins' fun bunch. Yeah, and and so what Fletcher couldn't do was divorce himself from those four. Fenton divorced himself from three, and people are like, well, he still didn't get enough back. That's not the point. He got rid of them. And and I told you that last year. you got to get rid of them. And Garen finished the job with a really good trade on Zucker. I mean, Fiala might be better than all of them, right? Fiala is, that- is easily, when he applies himself, the most talented player on this roster, and it's not close. And you know what's, you know, the, the, so Fiala right now, if you just want to go off of points, let's just use a basic you know, goals plus assist points. Fiala's third on the team. The other guys that are, that make up the top four or five are all old. Eric Stahl, yes. 35. Ryan Suter, 35. Parisi, 35. And I would try to move Zuccarello, Stahl. 32. And like, Zuccarello last night, non-existent. A ghost. Five-year contract, no move clause. Thanks, Paul Fenton. Man. So that's the big news today, and there's all kinds of other things we're going to get into on the show today, but let's keep it on the wild firing Bruce Boudreaux this morning and bring in senior NHL writer at ESPN and host of the Puck Soup podcast. He's been on our show a number of times. And uh, Greg Wyshynski, what were your thoughts when you saw, I think we all expected, you know, obviously his contract was coming up and there was a decision to be made, but the timing of it, what were your thoughts when you saw the Boudreaux news this morning? Well, first of all, uh, Paul Fenton also acquired Kevin Fiala, so I will not stand for this Paul Fenton slander. Oh, it's a great uh, trade. He, he, was, he was a horrible GM. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, th- there are still people in this town who are very upset that Fenton didn't get more than just Fiala for Granlund, and I'm not kidding you. Yeah, no, I mean I don't, I don't, I, I don't doubt it. But no, I was shocked by the news, if only because 
of the recent success of the team. I mean, there was a stretch uh, around the uh, first of the year when the Wild were like 1-5-1. and one. They lost three games on home ice. Uh, they were back at 500. And you're saying to yourself, okay, if there's going to be a change made, and, and understandably so in the last year of a lame duck coach's contract, do you do it then? And then all of a sudden they start turning this thing around. They go 7-3-1 and one over 11 games. They're a few points out of the wild card spot with a few games in hand. And you're saying to yourself, well, you know, maybe he's going to see this thing through to the end of the year. Uh, so to have it happen now was a surprise only given the context. I mean, I think we all know that when GMs get hired, they typically like to bring in their own guy to be the head coach. Uh, Bruce, in the last year of his contract, wasn't going to come back uh, under Garen's watch. The fact that he survived three GMs is pretty remarkable in and of itself. Uh, but to have it now when the team has started to turn the corner last night, you know, being what it was, it, it was sort of a surprise. So my, the o- only working theory, uh, Greg, that I can come up with that makes sense to me is is this, too. Garen made the Zucker trade on Monday. He's probably going to make, and it's been rumored out there, that he might trade a defenseman uh, by the, the deadline on February 24th. And at some point in time, Bruce might have said, um, Billy, we're three points from a playoff spot. I'm in last year of my contract. You've got to give me a chance. And Bill said, that's all well and good. But for Bill Garen, Greg, there's no pressure right now. He's in year one. And this and his team definitely needs, if not a hard reset, a, a reset of sorts. Do you buy that there just might have been a philosophical difference between these two as far as where they stand, both contractually and where this franchise could or should be? I think that's a, it's a, it's a plausible theory as any right now, uh, that there, there could be that kind of a schism, uh, given that Garen has an eye towards the future, but he also has an eye towards the president. I mean, he said in his press conference today, and we have to take him at his word, that the playoffs are still the goal. And, you know, part of the idea is that half the roster wasn't necessarily playing up to standards and Bruce couldn't get him going for whatever reason. So maybe handing the keys over to Dean Evison and, and maybe when these guys uh, take a different look at the at the future, knowing that it's it's not Bruce Boudreaux's team, it's Bill Guerin's team, that maybe they have a different tact than thinking they can kind of play out the string with a lame duck coach. Um, I do like the theory, though, that, as you said, I mean, changes are going to be afoot. Garen's now been on this this gig for a season almost. Um, you look at this roster, it's incredible how many players are on this roster with term and that there's not that much of a chance to turn the team over by a free agency this summer. So he's going to have to start, get the scalpel out and start slicing away at some point. And maybe the idea is you take away Boudreaux from the, from the equation, you get a better sense of what players you want hanging around yep. and what players you want to jettison in the months that come ahead. I, I, I like that idea. I like that theory. Uh, but honestly, at this point, with the, with the change being made at the, at the time that it did, I think everybody, everything's plausible right now. The guy, the, the contract that scares me, and we just talked about this as you came on, uh, that Fenton gave out, the Zuccarello contract, five years, no move, I swear to God, I went last night, and I didn't notice him play. I mean, this is second-line guy. It's troublesome, and I don't know what you do, but I can tell you right now, Greg, he, he might come back and be okay next year, but there is no way that this guy is going to live up to a five-year uh, no-move no move clause. You're going to be stuck at some point, and it might be really soon. Well, yeah, and I mean, that was a move made and a desperate attempt to try to get a veteran team into one last run. It was fraught with problems from the start. 
uh, as you said, the real the real crippling aspect of it is the no move clause. I mean, even if you can make the argument that adding Zuccarello to this team could make it exponentially better, and and maybe they could contend a little bit with the rosters they had. The no-move clause makes that just a, a, a boneheaded signing um, because the rest of it is also sort of delusional when you think about the changes that have to happen in this roster to get younger and faster and, and all-around better. Um, but you know what? The thing about it is that uh, it's a Paul Fenton signing, but you know there's somebody else above him signing off on that deal too. And, uh, and, and I think we can't take that out of the equation. It's not Paul Fenton's money uh, that's going to a free agent for that kind of term and that kind of contract. And uh, there are some... I guess what I'm trying to say is that there's some organizational decisions that have been made in the last few years that uh, deserve scrutiny, and they don't all stop at the general manager. Greg Wyshynski is our guest here on Mackie and Judd with Rami, senior NHL writer at ESPN, ESPN.com, and host of the Puck Soup podcast. So 31 teams in the NHL, 26 <laughs> of the 31 coaches have three and a half years or less of tenure with their current team. So it's just it, and it's been like this for years and years, where you get about two or three years, maybe four, and then you're gone. And, and the NHL cycles through coaches, unlike any league in American or Canadian sports. What is the value of an NHL coach? Oh, there's great value. Oh man, you can look around this league and see how many teams are bolstered by the guy behind the bench. Uh, the New York Islanders, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, I think you know now that people have come to their senses and realized that the uh, Lightning are going to be okay. John Cooper. Um, there's a number of coaches out there that make a significant difference on the teams that they that they that they are managing. Um, but the reason there's so much turnover is that it's the classic cliche is that you can't fire the players. And the reason there's also so much turnover in hockey versus other sports is that there's one position on the ice that can determine the success or failure of a head coach. And that's the goaltender. And as I wrote about today in my piece about Boudreaux's firing, uh, you look at the bottom 10 teams in save percentage this season, six of them have made coaching changes. Okay, And uh, if you look at the top 10 teams, uh, or maybe even top 12 teams, I think it is in save percentage, only one of them has made a coaching change, and that's because uh, they had to in the case of the Dallas Stars with what was going happening off the ice with Jim Montgomery. So the fact that you could have one position on your team uh, basically dictate the success or failure of the coach uh, makes hockey a very unique sport, and it's the reason why we have so much turnover. You're only going to be as good as your goaltending, and in a lot of cases, it's not necessarily the system being played in front of them, but it's the goaltenders themselves that are letting the coach down. Where do you think Bruce coaches next, Greg? Great question. He is entering a crowded market. Um, Peter Laviolette, former head coach of the National Predators, he's, a, he's available. Um, Mike Babcock, uh, it's going to take some crisis PR management to correct his reputation and probably a, a, an emotional interview on Canadian television to clear his name, but he is on the market. Um, Gerard Gallant, he is on the market from the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, there's a lot of, of, of really big-name, successful coaches that are available now. What, what Bruce has going for him, um, he's got two things, one, a couple things going for him and one thing going against him. Going for him is if you look at the underlying numbers in the Minnesota Wild, they remain one of the best defensive teams in hockey. They didn't get the goaltending this year, some, and the penalty kill stunk, which really hurt them. But they were very, very good, and I think there are some underlying numbers that tell you that Bruce Boudreau and what he does systematically is still very effective. What's going against him is he's 65. And if you look around this league right now, I think I looked at it in like the last 10 coaches that were hired um, in, a, in, a, in a head coaching or interim basis, there's only one that's over 60, and that was Rick Bonus, who took over in an emergency capacity with Dallas. So 
it's a younger coaches league right now. Bruce is 65. I don't want to be ageist, but that's just kind of the way things have gone in this league over the last few years. Yeah. Uh, by the way, yeah! Judd has tied for the 2020 lead in the good question standings with uh, Greg Wyshynski giving said, him great a great question. question. Judd with three, I have three, and Rami has one so far on the season. So. <laughs> and uh, Greg, make it very clear, I did not contact you before the show started. I did not ask you in no, any way fair, to fair. say great it's, questions. It was just a good he didn't bang okay. on a trash can nope, to nope. indicate what you should say. There was none of that. I did no, nothing I mean, to if, if I knew that if I, if I was privy to this competition beforehand, I definitely would have asked for cash. Yeah. You know, but, <laughs> <laughs> and I would have delivered. Because that's the type of guy I am. So, Alright, that is Greg Wyshynski. He does awesome work for ESPN, ESPN.com and a host of the Puck Soup podcast. We'll, talk, we'll probably talk again with some NHL hot stove or whatever we call the NHL's version of hot stove here later on Let's this year. Trade deadline, February twenty fourth. Well, I, mean, I was thinking more off season yeah. for the while. No, but, but no, no, I love the trade deadline. But yeah, they could come some day. guys before uh, the end of the month. Thanks, Greg. Anytime, boys. Talk All right, you. that's uh, Greg Wyshynski. I, I I feel like maybe I'm wrong here. I feel like there's probably more activity in the off season for them. Or are they going to try and unload two or three more guys in the I next think, ten days? Yeah, I think by Monday, the twenty fourth, I wouldn't be surprised if they try and, and unload Eric Stahl if they can move him for a draft pick. As I said, he looks a thousand years old when he's playing right now, and I. I'm not advocating for Brodeen or Dumba to be traded, but I think one of them might be. I think there's a lot to be had. Dumba is a right-handed shot defenseman who's having a down season offensively but can give you offense. I think the – I and there's about four or five teams that are really in need of a right-handed shot defenseman. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Guerin gets a ton for him. What would uh, we'll get back to this by the way in the five o'clock hour? Uh, Lou Nanny joined Ventline earlier today and, and gave his thoughts, and we'll play some of those later on. And I feel yeah. like everybody was shocked by this. It was surprising. The t- it was just like the it was weird really timing. Weird. It was weird timing. Even I saw. Even I was surprised. And I, and I don't know anything about hockey, but when Phil texted me this morning, hey, my, my wh- text was pretty condescending. Actually, Minnes- when, when Phil texted you, NHL the sport te- of hockey has had changes. <laughs> NHL team, and that's hockey. Minnesota Wild have fired their head coach Bruce Boudreaux. I said, dude, you didn't need to include all the details. I'm I'm hockey clueless. I'm not that hockey clueless. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's a little insulting. It was a little. I heard insulting. the text. It was it was more than a little. I'll, insulting. Ad- I'll admit that it when, was I, when I was typing the text, I wanted there to be no ambiguity over what the news was this morning. So here said, are some <laughs> highlights of hockey if you've never seen it before. The only way it could have been more insulting is if you spelled it phonetically for me in the text, like it's Boudreaux, B O O dash D R O, Rami. Hockey started in Canada. <laughs> That's the one played out. Trophy skate. is the oldest trophy. Lord Stanley. Here, here's a whole book. Try and read it by the time Score North Live at noon starts. Amazing. So we'll, we'll we'll get back into this later on. We might even be able to open up for for some phone calls and, and thoughts on this. But I know I gave you guys a show rundown that had the KG Jersey retirement in Boston at five o'clock. We're going to do that next because I just I can't wait thirty more minutes to talk about this. The Celtics are retiring Kevin Garnett's jersey before the Timberwolves. That's disgusting. That is right. But I've learned something new since we had the discussion on Score North Live today, weekdays, noon to two. You can hear that, scorenorth.com and the Score North app. So we'll do all of that when we come back here after we talk about the best car dealership and service department in the Twin Cities. Hey, you got a service light on in your vehicle? You ever get confused by, like, the random service lights that just pop on in your vehicle? Yes. Like an exclamation point will just pop on, and I'm like, "That's a tire, right? Do I have a nail in my tire? That's a tire, right? Are my brakes dead? No. I, I don't. I have no idea. I think the exclamation point's the tire. This is why 
when you take your car into Luther Brookdale Toyota, if you have no idea, or maybe if you do have an idea and you just want your that tires, light to be turned off. Your tires do lose some of the air pressure in extreme cold. So it would make sense that it's the tires. And so even if you can't figure that out on your own, mm-hmm. like Rami's smart enough to figure it out on his own, Judd and I clearly are not. Okay. Mm-hmm. What yeah. they'll do all throughout the month of February at Luther Brookdale Toyota is they'll turn that light off and they'll tell you what it means and give you a free, no obligation <laughs> estimate on repair. Uh, so stop in, open until 9 o'clock, 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, and the website is LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Judd? Thank you, Phil Mackey. I want to talk to you about my friend Jason Walgrave, the Walgrave Real Estate Team, and their guaranteed sale program. And you know, we have another member of the list now, don't we? I've talked to you about NBA players in this town. they got to be selling their house, don't they? Because they've been traded. I talked to you about a member of the Wild on Monday. He's got to be selling his house now. Because he's been traded. And my guy Boots today joins the group of probably a guy that says, you know, I uh, really don't have a need to live here in the Twin Cities now. i got to sell my house. So let's say Boots calls me. He said, Judd, really like you. I really trust you. What should I do to sell m- my house? I'm going to immediately tell him I want you to contact my friend Jason Walgrave and the Walgrave real estate team. And I want you to do that because they are going to guarantee the sale of your home. Yes, guarantee the sale of your home, Bruce. You can get out of your home a guaranteed sale, not a guaranteed offer. A lot of people say that guaranteed offer. You know what? That doesn't mean anything. Guaranteed sale is where it's at. And you can guarantee that sale by going to Jason's J-A-S-O-N-S guarantee.com. Click on the guaranteed sale button. Do it today. Bruce and everybody else will be happy. That's Jason's guarantee.com. Jonathan here with the Score North Download. Mackie and Judd with Rami. Well underway. We'll get you back to that in just a moment. But first, join Score North's Rami Maklob and Team KSTP at this year's JDRF One Walk to create a world without type 1 diabetes on Saturday, February 22nd. Join our team or donate to Team KSTP over at scorenorth.com, keyword JDRF. Speaking of scorenorth.com, right now over there, the main story you can find is a Judd Colon column based on the Bruce Boudreau firing, one of our most popular Wait, columns. Wait, a Judd Colon column? Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean. Oh, yeah, that didn't come out right. Nope. That was the purpose of it. Well, the, oh, okay. the, Judd, the Judd Colon column didn't Stop. come out right? Stop. You're making, you're making this better. <laughs> didn't say that right. Just said stop. It's gone up what are you guys doing? It's just on fault. purpose. It's an important subject, yes. <laughs> Especially yeah. if you're 50 year older, like Judd. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> yep. I'm, not, I'm really looking forward to this, by the way. Can't wait. Got the full physical on uh, in late February, at which point I'm going to have to set up a time for this. That's far too much information. Uh, also over there, no, besides Judd's colon column, uh, Matthew Collar, because he gets upset when I leave him out of these, he has an article whether the Vikings should be interested in Josh Rosen or not. You can go check that out over at scorenorth.com right now. That's been your Score North download. However awkward it was for you, it was ten times more awkward for us. Now back to Mackie and Judd with Rami. I hope that when Judd drops trial in that doctor's <laughs> office, I was just gonna do his doctor says, Zolgad, colon. <laughs> And then commences to the inspection. Wow. <laughs> He's really missing out on a great opportunity if he doesn't do that. He really is. Oh my! Judd, can we? Can we? Is I it possible? Because is it possible for Jonathan for you to put like a ringtone on Judd's phone? So right at the right at the moment where the doctor's about to go in, he snaps the glove and he's about to go in, and Judd fires this. Uh, 
Wow. I, just, I got nothing from you guys. You know, I'm a little bit skittish already, and now I'm really skittish. There will be no, bell, there will be no horns. I'll gladly make that horn sound on your phone for you. I mean, I'll put is, it on there for you. And it's kind of slipping one past the goalie. Yeah. <laughs> you know... Wow. You just wait 10 years, Rami. There you go. You'll be there soon enough, Rami. I'll be 60 by then. I won't care. Amazing. Amazing. Anyways, uh, transitioning awkwardly here. So the Minnesota Timberwolves, by my count, and if somebody wants to add one here, we can debate it, but 30 years of franchise history, and they have two worthwhile things worth latching onto in 30-plus years. And I would say Flip Saunders is number one, and he tragically passed away a few years ago. And the other one is Kevin Garnett. That's it. 30 years of franchise history, two worthwhile things to latch on to. Flip Saunders and Kevin Garnett. And Kevin Garnett is basically estranged from the franchise. He did come back for, was it last year he came back for, was it for Ryan's game. first game or yeah, something? Yeah, because he's still good friends with Ryan. Correct. But I just, like, when I saw that news come out last night about the Celtics are going to retire Kevin Garnett's jersey before the Timberwolves, I just, like, I wasn't mad. I was I was just sort of dejected on behalf of the Timberwolves and Minnesota sports fans. And I guess my question for you guys is, who do you think is most to blame for this? So this is just, like, it, whatever has happened to lead us to this point, and I get that he won a championship in Boston, so it's... You know, it's it's yeah. not unthinkable that his jersey at, would be retired. But look at the stats, to your point. 100%. I mean, look at the stats. Look everything at the, the you're saying is right. It's been 12 years, so yeah. they've had 12 years to do it. They could have done they, Hell, they could have done it when he still played if they wanted to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but who who do you think is most blamable and culpable for this being the current circumstance? We talked about this today on Score North Live, weekdays, noon or two. You can go back and listen to it at 6 o'clock. Once this fine show is over, scorenorth.com and the Score North app, which is totally, totally free, by the way. And I basically said shame on the Timberwolves. I took about five or six minutes to do it, but I said shame on the Timberwolves. And then, just after I got off the air, I see this tweet from John Krasinski, who very few people I trust more when it comes to covering the Timberwolves and telling me about them than John Krasinski from The Athletic. He says the Timberwolves would retire KG's 21 tomorrow, dot, 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 if KG was ready to do it. I don't know that this is on the Timberwolves, guys. Okay, and I saw that tweet last night, and let me tell you right right now, the Timberwolves have made it very clear publicly that they would love to do this and that they can't. This is why I told you, because I had seen that tweet, Rami, and I told you this, and I am begging the Wolves to do this. Ethan Casson, their president, who I think is a good business guy, and I think Phil agrees with that, right? Mm -hmm. Ryan Saunders is good friends with KG. What we need to have happen here. I'm tired of the Timberwolves saying, well, we do it, but he just won't forgive Glenn. And Okay, I want Glenn taken out of this. I want the Wolves to go to KG's people in KG and say, Kevin, this is really sad. Partially because Flip, Ryan's dad, who passed away tragically, there's nothing not tragic about that whole thing. I mean, it makes you still want to cry. Um, Worked his ass off to get you back. You know, falling out one when Glenn took that sort of gratuitous cheap shot at Kevin after he went to Boston, unnecessary, but basically questioned his work ethic, I believe, which is just stupid. Um, Flip, how hard did he work tirelessly to get KG back in the fold and promised him some ownership and promised him this and that? And I think Phil, Phil and I were in Florida, but we talked to Flip on our show the next day, Rami, and I think Phil would agree with me. As far as just sort of spontaneous Minnesota sports 
moments in both our lifetimes go. So not like a World Series or something, but just spontaneous. Mm -hmm. And we watched this in a bar in Florida. It was one of the most exciting, fun, oh my gosh, they've done this. And KG was a shell of himself, but it was still awesome. Um, I want Glenn removed from this equation completely. And I want Ryan, who's, you know, the one person that Ryan and Kevin both loved was Flip. I want him to go to Kevin, and I want Ethan as the liaison to go to Kevin and say, we will remove Glenn completely. We want, we need your jersey in our rafters. We're going to have a weekend for you. Glenn will not be there. Glenn will not be allowed there. Glenn will be told he can stay home. As Rami said um, on today's show, he probably has a cabin or a house somewhere else that he will go to. If you don't want Glenn in Minnesota, he won't be there. Uh, Phil, this is on Glenn Taylor, and they need Glenn to be removed. And and I also want Glenn to go to a podium and say, I've screwed this up from day one. I'm going to remove myself. Um, I trust Ethan, and I trust Ryan. And I really believe if Ryan, because everyone's like, Kevin is so stubborn, and he is, okay? But everyone's like, Kevin is so stubborn, he won't do this until it's time. If Ryan goes to Kevin and says, let's do this for my dad, Kevin will do it. I want Glenn out. So I, I I would love to to know more about the discussions that, that have or haven't taken place between the Timberwolves and various members and Kevin Garnett. But I actually think both sides are rippable here. I, when I say both sides, I mean Glenn Taylor and Kevin Garnett. I mean, Glenn Taylor, let's start with the obvious, and you laid out some of it with Glenn Taylor there, Judd. He has proven to have been over his, when did he take ownership? 1995 or something? Yep. So like 25 years. Yep. He has proven to be objectively one of the worst professional sports franchise owners in American sports history. History. Like we sit here and we and we laugh at the Browns and we laugh at the Lions and oh my God, imagine being a Lions fan. That's us. That is the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves are the Browns. They are the Lions historically of the NBA. In fact, since entering the league in 1989, the Timberwolves have the worst winning percentage in the NBA. And Glenn Taylor has owned the team for 25 of those 30 years. The Timberwolves have won exactly two playoff series in 30 years of franchise history. And I counted these up today out of curiosity. The Timberwolves have had 21 top 10 draft picks. Not first round draft picks. Top 10 picks. 21 top 10 picks in franchise history. Three have been to an all-star game. Think about that. Like, and, and by the way, like we could spend two hours just making this list right here. I'll stop just for mercy's sake. But that's all ultimately on you as an owner. When the Knicks are going through their embarrassing decade in 15 years, James Dolan is the one that takes the brunt because guess what? He's the one that sets everything. Like He's the one that hires important people. And I do think Glenn Taylor has gotten it right with Ethan Casson on down to Gerson Rosas. We'll see about Ryan Saunders long-term. I do think they have they're, they're finally getting it right from a nucleus standpoint. But like, I can see why KG looks at all of this, and some of it hits him personally. The the anecdote about Glenn Taylor sort of kicking him on the way out twelve years ago with the well, you know, the, 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 like the tanking comment or whatever he yeah. made. Uh, so I see it from KG's perspective. But let's turn the spotlight on KG for a second here. Okay, are you going to let your beef? With one guy, and I get that he's the owner, you're going to let your beef with one guy overshadow your relationship with fans who have loved you for 25 years? Fans who never bailed on him. It's not like when other people leave organizations and they get booed. Like Kevin Love had a breakup with the fans. And there's other examples for other Minnesota sports teams where it's like like some fans don't like Adrian Peterson because of the child uh, 
uh, abuse. abuse situation, yeah. right? And with Kevin Garnett, fans have loved him for 25 years, and he's letting one bad relationship get in the way of celebrating one of the great careers in Minnesota sports history. I feel like, I honestly feel like he needs to get over it and let this thing happen. I understand why he doesn't like Glenn Taylor. We all look at Glenn Taylor the same way. We look at him sideways. But like this is the city that you grew up in. You were 17, 18 years old. You grew up here. Let it go at this but point. But where I'll defend Kevin on this is, if this was just from the first incident after he left for the Celtics the first time, I would agree completely and say, it's been 12 years, dude. But Flip bent over backwards and said, we'll get you ownership. We'll do this. We'll do that. And then Flip got sick, which was tragic. And then Flip died, which is more tragic and Kevin, as far as we know, was just sort of left to be out there, and Tibbs, came old, Tibbs comes in and runs roughshod over Kevin and this whole dream of, I mean, Kevin, Kevin, who is, right or wrong, a fiercely loyal dude. Like, right. to, him being, to him being loyal is, is breathing. And, you know, he's been told you can own part of the team and all of this stuff, and he's like, okay, I'll come back, Flip, I love you. And then Glenn's like, again, okay, it just fell apart. Like, what happened there? How did that happen again? This is this isn't a nice player. This is the only superstar you've ever had. If Glenn Taylor, if his life's work from the day Kevin came back was to say, "I'm going to make sure that never happens again," it's worth it. It's worth it. And so, where I'll defend him is, if I'm the Wolves and I I make Ryan the front guy and say, "For my dad, let's do this. We need you back. We love you." People, Phil's point. The fans love you, man. We will take Glenn out of the equation for this. We will raise the 21 banner to the rafters, and Glenn Taylor will not be there. And Glenn Taylor will get up to a podium and explain before this why he won't be there. We will make sure, whatever you need, because this is back-to-back, I feel like they stabbed one of the most loyal guys, or a guy that deems loyalty to be huge, in the back. I can't blame Garnett for saying, bleep you. And I'm a pretty fiercely loyal guy myself, sometimes to a fault, like you said with Kevin Garnett. And when you betray that loyalty or show me that you have no loyalty, like it's really hard for me to get over that. You know what I mean? When, when, when I've been fiercely loyal to you and there's nothing that would make me turn against you and you, you betray that or show that you don't have the same loyalty towards me, it's hard to get me back. So on some level, you're right, Phil. Like somebody in this situation needs to be the bigger man. And yeah, Kevin Garnett could say, I'll come back and do it for the fans. But ultimately, if, if what Judd is saying is true, and I have no reason to believe that it's not, that he already was willing to, to, to build, rebuild that bridge once after he felt that they, they had done him wrong the first time around. If he, if he was willing to rebuild that bridge and mend those fences and rebuild that relationship and they did it to him again, like, I don't know that I can necessarily fault him for having too much pride or being too hurt by this whole thing that he doesn't want to come back unless unless something drastic changes or something they do something to really, really show him that they were wrong and they want to make they want to right their wrongs and correct what they did. I almost can't blame him if the, if they screwed him over twice and violated his loyalty twice. Like, I don't know that I'm giving you a third chance if I'm Kevin Garnett. You know what I mean? I just don't know that I can. So there's probably fault to go around in terms of why it's not getting done now. But if I was going to pick a side, I'd probably pick Kevin Garnett's side because of everything that Judd just said. That Kevin Garnett was fiercely loyal to you. You did him dirty and sent him packing. 
And then he was willing, he opened up to reopening that relationship, and you screwed him over again? I don't know that you get a third strike yeah, if I'm KG. With, with, I, I, and, I, and you know, the other thing, too, is like that we haven't talked about in terms of KG potentially holding grudges. And I don't, I don't think he holds one for this, but I would. This guy was the best player on the planet for like two or three years and one of the top five or ten players for probably eight or ten years with the Timberwolves. And the best sidekicks they could put with him, except for the one or two years with Sprewell and Cassell. Wally Zerbiak was his Robin at one point. Marbury was good. For but like two that, years, though. But, but then he got jealous and wanted out. Yeah, no, he could be mad about that. I. It's just, this is, it, it, if you remove the, the fact that this town has not seen a championship from a men's a professional team that we follow closely since 91, but if you just go to things that are embarrassing to me beyond that, this is right at the top of my list, that you have this, I mean... <clears throat> How close is this? And Kevin did not win championships, so I understand it's not exactly the same. But, Phil, how close is this to, like, if Puckett was estranged from the Twins and 34 didn't get Mm -hmm. retired? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we're not. this is not a nice player. This is a generational talent, and there's not a ton of them who have come through this town in any sport. Yeah. 651-646-8255. Do you rip and blame Glenn Taylor more for this or Kevin Garnett? more for this or are you like me i actually think both guys need to check themselves and look in the mirror matthew you're on with mackie judd and rami on score north hey guys i uh i think that it's actually a three-part blame here obviously glenn for that but i mean kevin even shouted out this is for you minnesota when they won the title in boston and then you know they bring him back and whatnot and then they force him out, as I remember, right, the second time when, you know, he was still mauling whether or not he wanted to retire, and they gave him a deadline. Yeah, and, Tom, uh, yeah Tom Thibodeau had come in and Scott Layden, two absolute beacons for personal inter, uh, intercommunication, by the way. A couple of guys who oh. really know their way around uh, relationships. Yeah, and if I remember right, he was planning on maybe coming back as a mentor role to Cat again for a second year, and they set a deadline and he didn't make a decision by that point and you know then they said okay we're just going to move on from you and you know you guys were right a few weeks ago and you said you know after this kobe situation like we don't want you know kevin to be gone tomorrow and didn't honor him the way that we should and uh matthew thank you for the phone call we're running up against the top and we have a couple more to get to but like hit that th- that period where KG was under contract for another year, and I'm I'm trying to think was it was he was here for two years or so. I'm trying to remember yep. the timeline. And it, then he came was, in February of 2018, um, and then he was here with Sam right yep. for the year that Flip had passed away. Yep. And then I believe that the Tibbs administration came in and sort of left him hanging. And a little bit vice versa, too. It sounds like yes. KG has but, not always been the easiest to discuss things with. And, and Kevin was old and, as a player, broken down as well. But that that all goes back to the fact that Flip had set up some type of agreement where Kevin was going to get a piece of the team mm-hmm. or have some involvement, which would have been really cool with Kevin being involved and here and all of those things. And so I, I don't have a problem with the fact that he essentially couldn't play anymore. I think we all understood that, don't you? My problem is how the behind the scenes stuff with the team went down. Yeah. And again, I don't even know if he was cuz even with Brooklyn before he 
came to the Timberwolves. It was I don't no, think it, like playing time. Yeah, and no, stuff. This, I don't think like, this has anything to do with how he was used on the yeah. court at all. Oh. Ryan and Fargo, you're on the show. Actually, I have a. I'll do my blame, and then I have like a kind of scalding hot take. If you have time, we always have time for scalding hot takes on the show. Mm. Okay, first off, I I do kind of blame both of them, but more Glenn Taylor because all he's done is just mess up this team for thirty years. And I, you know, I've had three athletes that I love in my lifetime: Puckett, Moss, <laughs> and Garnett, and two of them are at least retired or hung in the rafters, and the fact that Garnett isn't is a disgrace. And if Glenn Taylor isn't going to do do something for the fans, he needs to sell the team to somebody who cares. Yeah, I'm, yeah, Ryan, is that your hot take? Yeah, that's my hot take. Love it, yeah. I mean, you and Judd are in lockstep on this. But that's the problem. Once you Once you get to the point where ownership is the issue, the New York Knicks, is that- the Timberwolves... Is that ultimately the root of all the Wolves' problems? Glenn Taylor? Yeah, because I was talking about Herb Cole and the Bucks in the first segment when we were talking about the similarities there and, and with the, the, the wild ownership. Nothing was going to change for the Milwaukee Bucks. They could change GMs. They could change coats. They could, could, could change coaches, I should say. They could even get a generational talent like Giannis, and nothing was going to change. Until there, until there was an ownership change, and that led to a culture change, a philosophical change, and just the way that they do business and operate completely changed for the Milwaukee Bucks. And they, and not only did 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 that change the way that they played basketball and the way that and the product that you saw on the court, it changed the relationship that they had with the city. And there were people who were disenfranchised Bucks fans that felt welcomed back into the fold, or at least felt like this was an organization that was A, trying to win, and B, cared if they had fans, cared if the city of Milwaukee was behind them, and made an effort to bring people back into the fold and back under the umbrella. Can the Timberwolves ever get to that point, as long as this dude is the owner? (laughs) So here's the... And that's a that's a great question. That Thank doesn't you. count in the standings, oh, but it. it is a great question. Because Glenn Taylor, this is this is what you've sort of walked us into here. Glenn Taylor is not an unlikable owner. That's the hardest part. James Dolan is just an, an unlikable figure, right? He's just yeah, he's he, very brash and arrogant yeah. and he's clumsy and he's just he's sort of absentee sometimes and cares pretty more about his music than much the jerks. Yeah. yeah. That's it. And uh, Donald Sterling was an ass, right? And then, like, stories came out about racism and things. Glenn Taylor's none of those things. In fact, Glenn Taylor is actually one of the nicest people you'll probably ever come across. So was Herb Cole. Philanthropist. Like, the dude was not only a senator and seemed like the rare senator who actually cared about his constituents and tried to make it a better place to live, but a philanthropist who gave millions of dollars to charity, yeah, and 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 loved Milwaukee and the Milwaukee Bucks to the point that he said, "I'm not selling this thing until I'm sure I have buyers who are going to keep this here and make sure that the Milwaukee Bucks stay the Milwaukee Bucks." Because there was a lot of Seattle talk going on at that point. I'm not saying that these are bad people we're talking about when I talk about the way that they operate and the culture within an organization. I'm just saying that maybe they're not successful owners. Maybe they just don't have what it takes. They're not equipped and don't have what it takes to be successful sports owners. If Glenn ever got, and he's he's gone through spurts of this, the right people to run the operation, it's okay. Right? And he, he may now. Right. So if Rosas is good, that's a huge deal. If if 
Ryan is a long-term coach, but let's say Rosas says he's not. But Gerson gets a good coach. But, Rami, when you had a guy like David Kahn running your franchise, you are just destined to fail immediately. And they did. And, you know, Kurt Rambis was a not-meant-to-be-a-head coach. And so I think that this I, – I think the answer to your question is if Glenn gets the right people and backs off completely, but it does – Look, the Garnett thing to me is symbolic of this franchise's failures. You've had one superstar and you've PO'd him twice. Mm-hmm. And, and it's and there's got to be, for as much as the Wolves tell people, oh, if we'd love to retire his number, okay, then let's talk about how we can get that done. Let's talk about how we can remove Glenn from the equation. I'm, I'm serious about yeah, that. I mean, what I want to know is, is there no conversation? I mean, you got, and listeners, you probably had... Situations in your life where you have a falling out with somebody or you know, something happens, is there no conversation to be had? Are you telling me, and maybe the answer is yes, and maybe he's tried, is there no conversation from Glenn Taylor's end? Because it sounds like the Timberwolves would do this right now. They would retire Kevin sure. Garnett's jersey, and it's KG that's saying, bleep y'all. Well, bleep Glenn, basically. Mm-hmm. If Glenn Taylor picked up the phone, or if he somehow got a face-to-face with KG... And said, listen, man, I own everything. I'm sorry, and I'll specifically apologize for this thing in 2007, the comment to the media, and for maybe some broken promises after Flip passed away in terms of ownership. I'm sorry. I feel terrible. We love you. Like, literally just kiss the ring. Mm -hmm. A, has that conversation been attempted? And maybe KG is still saying, bleep you, man. Sorry. And then, then it's back on KG. Like I need to know this. I need to know like what what attempt has been made on Glenn Taylor's end. And is and by the way, if that attempt has been made and KG is still saying Nah, man, then it's on KG to me. Get over it, dude. What I would like to know or hear is has Glenn Taylor offered to recuse himself from everything to do with Garnett and this ceremony? Because again, I will go back to I think if you sent Ryan to Kevin and said. For my dad, we need to do yeah. this. I think I think Kevin would do it. I really do. But if the payoff then is Glenn Taylor cannot be involved, if you're Ethan Casson, you've got to go to Glenn and, and not say, please don't be involved, say you're not going to be involved. And if he says, I have to be involved, then you say, then you really don't know what you're doing. God. It is, it, it I is mean, it's got to be some tough man. love. Both sides, tough love. Yeah. It's actually pretty amazing, too. That I mean, think about Kevin Garnett saying yes to the Boston Celtics doing this before the Timberwolves says everything you need How to know. How disgusted about. are you as a Minnesota sports fan by this? Because this is up there for me. Yeah, it's me too. It's disgusting. It, it and it's someone as far know, sports go. Caller Ryan and Fargo sounds like we grew up, you know, in the same wheelhouse of Randy Moss, Kirby Puckett, Kevin Garnett. These are the dudes we grew up on, and for this to be now a 10, 12 year thing, well, with a little bit of a break. Because of Flip coming back and bringing KG back, it's just it is it is sad that a franchise that's been around for thirty years with one player worth celebrating, one player worth celebrating, and you can't because the relationship is broken. And last thing, Vikings Ring of Honor is not enough for Moss. Retire his number. Take it from Earth Smith. I know we've got too many numbers. Oh, be quiet. Retire eighty four. <laughs> no, dead serious. I know, it, it, there are limited numbers in football. Uh, that's fine. Eighty four. Mothballs. Can't just retire all the In the rafters. Ring of honor. You know, we can open up for an impromptu vent line here, too. Like, what do you, you know, a couple things. We're going to get into 10 Days of Twins talk and back to the Bruce Boudreaux news from today. I would like to just do a reading of Trevor Bauer quotes from today. 
We'll do that as well. Okay, because that he's quickly he's, back, huh? he's quickly becoming my baseball hero. Yeah. Oh boy, is he back! Nice. He, he was asked one question about the Houston Astros apologies and didn't get a second question for about ten minutes. Dude. So this is going to be a, a jam packed five o'clock hour, and the numbers are six five one six four six eight two five five. Whenever you're listening to us, Mackie and Jeb with Rami, you're getting twenty five straight minutes of Mackie and Jeb with Rami. For better or worse, we're giving you twenty five straight minutes. Of Mackie and Jeb with Rami. So speaking of not knowing what you're doing, which was sort of the theme of the last segment, if you aren't comfortable with your savings plan, your retirement plan, the guy to call is Dale Tondrick. Tondrick Wealth Management will help set you on the right track or just validate that you're on the right track financially for retirement. There's just a there's a few different things you can and should be thinking about. Maybe one is whether you're saving enough money for retirement. That's definitely going to be a problem for a lot of people, especially as life expectancy continues to go up. You just you don't want to run out of money later in life. But on the other side of the coin, there are a lot of people that don't even know what trajectory they're on in terms of savings and retirement. And maybe you're actually able to retire a year or two or five earlier than you think. Dale Tondrick will help you with all of these things and you'll get a great face-to-face relationship with somebody who spends his life thinking about helping people save money for retirement. You can call 952-401-1671. That's 952-401-1671. Or go to myinvestingcoach.com and start preparing your playbook for retirement. Uh, on Federated Insurance here for a brief moment, one of the things I really like about Federated is their commitment to giving back to our community. It's been something that's uh, been a part of uh, my passion list the last few years, too, just giving back and making sure you're using your platform to do good. And Federated does just that. They are a gigantic supporter of Big Brothers and Big Sisters. And uh, the Star Tribune just ran a feature recently highlighting all the work that they do for Big Brothers and Big Sisters. Uh, They've raised $30-plus million for the organization going back the last 15 years or so. And they take that same charitable spirit and hard work ethic, and they apply it to your business. And that's why all kinds of business owners are partnering with Federated to get that peace of mind that if something happens to your business that puts you on the defense, you at least have a company and a relationship and somebody standing by your side to help guide you. You pour your life and energy and your sweat and your blood your tears into running a business, you just want to make sure that you are protected in the right way. Federatedinsurance.com to find a full list of industries Federated protects and to find more information about your Federated representative. Federated, it's their business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. All right, so first of all, I, I, I like the move. I, I am shocked on the timing. I did expect him to be fired, but I didn't expect it to come until after the season was over. Not only Judd and Declan, I suppose, did I have to sit in a dentist chair for the past two hours. I had to sit in that chair knowing that Boudreaux got fired for God knows what reason. I can't can't quite understand why you would cut a coach loose who is literally dragging along a bunch of third-line players to four points out of a playoff spot when you've got Declan Goff in that. Like, I mean, Declan is fairly flexible. He's a wiry guy. Did he ever play? 
Did you ever, ever play did the he game? Did you ever lace him up? I think he might have played hockey street there. hockey. I don't think he played the game. But I think the point is he's very slight and would, couldn't stop a puck to save his life. <laughs> I think that's what... Yeah, he needs some pretty big I, That's pads. what Liam was trying to say. Probably. So that's the big news today. Bruce Boudreaux fired this morning as wild coach. He does go down as the winningest percentage-wise coach in wild franchise history, the 20 years of, of wild hockey. And if you missed our interview with Greg Wyshynski, senior NHL writer from ESPN, you can go back and you can always listen to Mackie and Judd with Rami on demand. Score North app, Apple, and Spotify. Give us a five-star review if you could. It helps spread the word about the show. But my next question to you here, I have so many questions for, for Judd here. I feel like it's just like pass the ball to Judd Day with this Bruce Boudreaux news. What if they make the playoffs? <laughs> like, they're three points out of the wild card. Yep. Western Conference is incredibly tight. Yeah, they right now just a landscape of the Western Conference. The two wild card teams are Calgary and Arizona. Yep, sixty six and sixty four points. So sixty four points is the last wild card spot right now. Winnipeg has Winnipeg's one point back. Nashville and Minnesota are three points back. The Blackhawks are five points back, mm-hmm. and Anaheim's ten I, points it's back. Sort of stops with the Blackhawks. After you get past the Blackhawks, I don't think those teams have a chance. But still, that's a lot of teams in a very tight space that could make the playoffs. So, what would your thoughts like be? Like, what happens if like they make you, the playoffs? Would you be Would you be excited that hey, I mean, this team just made a fun little run, a little spark after Bruce Boudreaux got the, the only out. benefit that you would stand to get from a playoff berth would be the ability, I think, to get some first round games for the kids, like the Greenways and Cunnins and those guys. Uh, so, sort of the same benefit that the uh, Twins got a couple of years back when they went to the one game wild card. That which, helped them a lot, Which by the really way. helped yeah. them when they got to the experience. ALDS against the Yankees. All right, boys, you've already, then, been, you've already yep. been inside the ballpark. You've seen you've Yankee seen the stadiums. Stripes. Now go get them. Oh, no. <laughs> we don't want to. Um, <laughs> no, Daddy, no. So, But do I think that there would be a benefit from it? Absolutely not. No. And, and in fact, because of the amount of teams that always sniff around playoff berths, uh, Phil, I do liken what Garen could do by the trade deadline a week from Monday very much to what Falvey and Levine did a couple of years back where the Twins went on that sort of um, rough stretch in July and they had got Jaime Garcia who made one start in Oakland and then they immediately traded him and then they traded Dozier and and fans were like, why are you trading these guys? This is a playoff team. And to their credit, they did get hot. Uh, but I think that Garrett probably, I hope, sees this the same way, which is if you can make a trade that's really going to benefit your team, you should not be sitting there, unless you're told by Craig Leopold, you should not be saying, I can't trade this guy for all of this because we might make a first-round playoff run in which we'll play five games. Yeah. Well, do you th- do you think either Parisi or Suter would waive their no-move clauses at some point? I'm not saying like the next 10 days, up to the trade like deadline, the summer? But, but if you said, "Listen, Ryan, we're going to go. We, we want to go into rebuild mode here." Yep. And uh, it's been a good run, but we'd love to move you. So we'd love to, quite frankly, move your contract. But we'd love to move you somewhere that yep. you could thrive. You could thrive and maybe win a Stanley Cup. My understanding is that Ryan has said absolutely not. He likes it here. His family likes being here. He's from Madison, um, so he has told them no. He's staying put. Zach, I think has seen the writing on, on the wall, and there were a couple of th- pieces that uh, Michael Russo of The Athletic did last offseason, in which Zach basically came as close as you can to saying, <laughs> we're not going to contend, get me out. Now, here's the problem. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens have a player by the name of Shea Weber, who they traded yeah. uh, with Nashville with, and at the time, the Predators got P.K. Subban from the Canadiens, and Weber went to Montreal. 
Shea Weber currently has a fairly serious injury. Somebody did the math on what these contracts have, these long-term 13 years, which, by the way, you can't sign now. Um, It's called recapture language. If you trade a player and he retires in the course of that contract, you get annihilated with the cap, not just sort of hit. Basically what the league said but before they outlawed, and I think because I think now the longest contract you can sign, and this is with your current team, is eight years. I think the longest contract if you leave your current team and go to another team as a free agent is seven years. But when the Wild did these contracts, these 13-year contracts, the league by then had said, rightfully so, we hate these contracts. So they put in what they call, and it's ridiculous, recapture language, which means that if I then spin you off to take your pick of teams, if I trade... Zach Parisi to Colorado, and he plays three more years and says, peace out, I'm not hurt, I'm just done playing. The salary cap comes back on the wild, what? and it annihilates them. I saw the last year of Shea Weber's contract, if he he retires healthy, Nashville will basically have no cap room. So it's what, ridiculous. What is, is that? That's amazing to me. I know, it is. Now, now Wait, so, so just real quick, because I just want to get this clear. Yes. So how many years, there's seven years left on those deals, or eight? No, no, no. They I'm signed sorry. him in 2012 13. There's like 2012, six 13. years, six years. There's six years left. So, yeah. Something like that. Yes. Five or six years. Six sounds right. So you're telling me if you trade Zach Parisi to Colorado right now and then he retires after one year, I get that the, you get smoked I for get like smoked four or five years? On the the Wild do. The Wild do. What? Yes, because they wanted to punish teams for signing 13 year contracts. Okay, but, but the like, wild, but don't allow them to sign 13 year contracts. And they didn't eventually. <laughs> I know. But, but during the course of this time. <laughs> They put in th- this language, which they call recapture language. Now, if Parisi gets hurt, so if you if you get hurt and you're done playing, and if you are hurt, you're put on what they call LTIR, long-term injury list, then the recapture language does not come back on you. Wow. But if Parisi plays a couple of years, it's like, boys, you know what? It's been fun playing. Let's say I want a Stanley Cup. I'm now 38 years old. I'm done playing, and I'm healthy. So, so it's funny. It's like the, the wild gets, to use your word, exactly right, smoked. So the player doesn't get the money because he's retiring and forfeiting the money. But the, but salary the team cap gets hit hammered on salary, on cap. salary cap. All righty, then. 651 It hurts my brain trying to think about it. <laughs> you know what, boys? It's my sport, and I'm Jeez. not letting go of it. it do, like I've, I've heard you say it three times now, and I'm trying to wrap my head around <laughs> it and can't. I, I can't make it make sense. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, why... But ten days of twins talk coming up shortly here. But Paul, you are on Score North. Hey boys, how are you? What's oh. happened to you, Paul? It's like the old days, hockey talk on your show. I love it. Well, they finally gave us something interesting. Yeah. The last yeah. week has been fantastic. We'll talk all the <laughs> hockey you want. Our first question, Ron, I mean, have you ever been to a wild game? Have I? Yes. I went to a station outing to a wild game in a Sweet uh, life. in a luxury box last year, yes. Did you watch the game or you been in the box? Uh, no, I was just eating hot dogs and shooting the breeze with collar and Declan. <laughs> yeah. uh, Paul's phone is cutting out there. I just, I, I, I do want to hear what Paul's point is, but his, his I spent, phone's pretty I spent brilliant. most of that game, so there are lights from the roof of the stadium that point down onto the ice, and they're red, red dots, and the red dots are pointing right at the red dots on the ice, so I was convinced that they had lights under the ice. I didn't know that the light was coming from the roof, so I spent most of the game arguing with Collar and I think Declan that the light was coming from under the ice, not from above the ice. And of course, I was it's like the call coming from inside the house. I was wrong. Yeah, we just need a segment where Rami talks hockey for like four or five minutes. <laughs> All right, so the lights in the arena. 
All right, Paul, let's try Paul again here. Your phone was kind of cutting out there, Paul. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I, shut, I shut the door in my garage. I, I had the engine off, so don't worry about that. Can you hear? <laughs> Jeez, Paul. <laughs> well, you know, it's been a rough day. Uh, so, so let me ask uh, Judd, Bill Guerin. I, I don't think he answered the questions real well today. I felt like I was listening to the Astros. When he, nobody really pressed him about the timing. All he kept saying was, I felt the timing was right. I felt the timing was right. First question, are you satisfied with that? Second question, do you think he, when he signs new contracts, is he going to not do no trades? Zuccarello's contract Oof. is the latest stupid contract that, uh, th- that these GMs did. Is, is Garen going to knock this off? Or is he not going to have a choice if he wants to sign some people? I think uh, door B, Paul, is absolutely correct. I think the price of playing poker, and and as far as incentives go, uh, with signing free agents, if you want a good one, is to give them a no-move clause. But to circle back on Zuccarello, nobody else, from my understanding, no other team that he talked to was willing to go to more than four years. So the Wild went five and a complete no move, which is idiotic and stupid. So I think if you're signing the right guy, it becomes a lot more palatable to talk about a no trade, no move clause. But in the case of Zuccarello, it made absolutely no sense. Well, and he's not making any impact anyway. So I, you Ugh. know, he was what, awful what last was, night, Paul. Awful. What good was, what good was the signing? So are, are you, are you satisfied with his answer to the timing? He didn't really answer the timing situation today with Bruce being let go. Thanks, Paul. Uh, no, I'm not. And I don't think we, I don't, think we know exactly why they did it today. No, I, I'm not satisfied. I don't think, and I don't care how much he got pressed, guys. I think no matter how much Bill Guerin got pressed today in that press conference, he was not going to give an explanation because I think that there's things going on behind the scenes that we have to guess at but don't know. Yeah. So uh, you can find, <clears throat> wow, look at me right now. Excuse me, radio professional. Yeah, right here. there. Yeah. I'm not quite as good as Rami is just at quickly, that cough button on time. Just quickly, I found this. If Shea Weber retires while playing for Montreal and he just quits the game, he signed a contract that goes through, I'm not kidding you guys, 2025-26, at which age he'll be at which point he'll be 40. If he retires, the cap charge against Nashville. So this is the Parisi type of contract, right? So this is this is Imagine Minnesota instead of Nashville. $24.6 million, $24. million cap charge. Holy cow. Can you spread that across multiple years? No, it's it was it's twelve million the year before that at the age of thirty nine. No, you can't. You're completely <laughs> you are completely, pardon my French, screwed. That's amazing. All right, good on the NHL. Yeah, you're really punishing punishing those teams, I guess. So, all right, we got a our Friday fun day will commence in about ten or fifteen minutes, but we do have to dive. Swing into. and a drive, first pitch. It's two to nothing. The rain has come again. It's ten days of Twins talk on Matthew and Judd with Rami. I want to run this by you guys, and you can find a couple things real quick here. If you want more on the Bruce Boudreaux firing, there's a fresh Judd's hockey show. Go subscribe Apple, Spotify, Score North app. Uh, Judd and Declan broke this down a couple hours ago. And on the twin side of things, here as we get into day five of our 10 days of twins talk on Mackie and Judd with Rami, Derek Wetmore posting daily Scorner twin shows on those same platforms. So I want to run this by you guys. I don't think it's a hot take, but you guys might tell me differently. 
I know they signed Josh Donaldson. They traded for Kenta Maeda. And they've got all these intriguing figures in their lineup. But I think Byron Buxton is still the most intriguing player on the Twins roster in 2020. Nobody's really talking about him. And I'm not even really like blaming people. The guy missed another half a season. And injury problems have plagued him his whole career. But if you go through... The 2019, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a little bit stat geeky on you guys here. So 2019 American League position players. If you would have taken Byron Buxton's first half of the season, so he wound up playing, if you take away the pinch running appearances in September, he played like 80 legit games uh, outside of the injury. So he had, in those 80 games, he had 44 extra base hits, which is ridiculous. That's To, to be on pace for almost 90 extra base hits in a season is absurd. And he played the best defensive center field of any player in baseball. If you were to take his wins above replacement in the in those 80 games and just replicate that over the course of a full season, these are the only players in the American League that would have ranked above him. All right? Mike Trout, Alex Bregman, who cheated. Marcus Semien had an amazing season for the Athletics last year. He's a great defensive player. Xander Bogarts, Mookie Betts, George Springer, who cheated. That's the list. Six guys, two of them who are known to have had signals telling them what pitches were coming. So if you took those guys and bumped them down a peg, you could you, you'd you'd put only four guys above Byron Buxton if he, if he could carry that over a full season. Like the Twins are sitting on that guy in 2020, and the only question, and it is the question, can he play more than 80 games? Can he play 120, 130 games? I mean, Dalvin Cook might be the best running back in the NFL. He's 0 for 3 on playing 16 games in a season. Like we can, and and I'm not, I don't, I don't come down on a guy or hold it against him that they get hurt or they can't stay healthy. But ultimately, that's the reality. And I know it's cliche, but your best ability, your most important ability, is availability. And I hope that Byron Buxton can play 140, 150 baseball games and finally live up to the expectations. Am I counting on it? Am I am I putting that down in the books for 2019 and and should the Minnesota Twins? No, I don't think you can. I think you have to have a plan B, don't you? You have to have a plan B for yeah. Byron Buxton going into any season at this point. Do they have a plan B? Like in terms of defensive plan B in center field. I don't want to hear Max Kepler and Eddie Rosario because those guys are not above average center fielders. I don't know if they do. Then I don't really think they do. So they're, they are, they are the plan, sort of, what plan B was last year. I don't think you'll like plan B this year, yeah. right? I mean, they are sort of crossing their, and, and is Jay, but dumb question. Is Jake Cave still on the roster? Yeah. Yeah. Like Jake Cave, who yeah, Jake. D- dives for fly balls that yeah. are 50 feet out of that his range. That was good. Do you got, okay. So off your question, Phil, because here's my philosophy on Buxton now, because clearly from the stats that you read, and this is no surprise for those of us who have watched him, he's a marvelous baseball player and, God-given talent off the charts athletically when healthy. To me, if I'm um, Derek Falvey and Thad Levine, this also, in my mind at least personally, has to be it, right? Like, if he comes out, stays healthy, let's play, Let's say, just, just to be fair, let's say he plays, what's fair, 120? If he plays 120 games like what, at, at that level... What makes you happy? I'm, I'm good with it. Okay, okay. I'm good with it. Let's say he plays 120. Then I'll say... Pretty good. Didn't play, you know, 150, but pretty good. But you guys, I think this has to be it as far as that goes, because let's say he plays 75 again. I don't know. Can you keep going to this well year after year after year saying this might be, 
the year. And Phil, something that you've been talking about for a long time with Buxton keeps coming to mind for me, which is, you know, the first thing to go, and Byron's no longer a really young, young player, is speed. So at some point in time, what makes him so special at some point here in the next few years is going to start to not just not abandon him, but dissipate, go away mm-hmm. a little bit. So I guess what makes me so curious about 2020 when it comes to Byron Buxton is I really think in some ways that this is it. This is the year. So let's pick 120. If he plays 120, you say, cool, it sort of worked here, and this guy is great for us. So. So he has three years left, including this year on his contract. He's and he and he hasn't signed a long term contract. He's just under team control. So he's he's in the he's in the arbitration phase of his rookie contract right now. And I think to answer your question, if he, if if again you get this seventy five eighty games thing, and especially I I'd like him to be available at the end of the season, preferably so he's playing in the playoffs and late in September. You know, it's tough to pick and choose when you get hurt, but. I don't think it's as easy as saying, well, if you if you play 75 or 80 games again, you just you just boot him out of here and you trade him for 50 cents on the dollar. I think what you would look to do is, hey, in the 75 or 80 games this guy is available, he's really really good. I just need a really competent fourth outfielder, either someone coming up from the minor leagues or somebody, you know, you got to go sign like whatever your Gerard Dyson is, a guy that if you had to use him for 2 months, you're not losing anything defensively. And it's a guy that can at least get on base once in a while. I'm not just going to like kick him to the curb. Well, no, but if he's bouncing off walls again and doing the same things, like I need to see, I need to see some progression in how he plays the game as far as smarts go too. Yeah, and I just don't know that you can change his stop. Part of part of what makes him such a great defender is that style. Is that he's going to run full speed. Up until and through walls, like that's that's what that's why he gets to baseballs that other guys don't because a he's faster than them, but b they'll also slow down and start pumping the brakes when they get close to the warning track. He that's not that's not his mo, man. That's not what he does. He runs full speed through the baseball, no matter where it is that he and that baseball <laughs> intersect. You know what I mean? So I don't know that you can change that. And may could plan B be that Kepler moves to center field and Alex Kirloff is in one of your corner spots? Is he ready for that yet? I, like I said, I don't think there's anybody on the 40-man roster that is capable of playing an above-average defensive center field. I just don't. Like, I met Max Kepler, Eddie Rosario. Kepler's okay at best, right? I mean, you'd be looking to... Well, Rosario, I wouldn't trust, to be honest with you. You could, yeah. You could make the case that, well, they've got so much offense in this lineup that... You can you can get away with having, but I just I don't like sacrificing all of the defense in center field. I just that's but hey this this roster as it's set up right now is relying on Byron Buxton to not get hurt. But I think your question, I think that's a great question, Phil. Thank you. I think the Byron Buxton question is a great question because that does (laughs) that does come back to one of the things about this team, and I know the guy's trying, but it drives you crazy. Yeah. Absolutely. Last year, he's running in defenses, and he finally doesn't in Cleveland, and he instead goes in and makes a whiplash attempt at a catch running in towards the infield. It drives you nuts. It's like, dude, just let the ball fall. Like the double or base hit that you give up, now, if you traded, not worth it. If you traded for Mookie Betts, he would have gotten to some of those balls, and wow. maybe Byron Buxton can stay healthier for a full season. Just another benefit. Of he would have collided with Betts, and they both would have been out for two months. Just, been laying just in the weeds, another benefit to bring yep. Mookie to many. Yep. Just saying. Yep. We Swing put a and drive, first pitch. It's two to nothing. The rain has come again. It's 
10 days of Twins Talk on Matthew and Judd with Rami. And remember, every day you can find the Score North Twin Show hosted by Derek Wetmore down in Fort Myers, Florida. Through the end of next week, we're going to send Judd down in a couple weeks to Fort Myers. So Score North has you covered when it comes to Twins spring training on scorenorth.com, the Score North Twin Show, and right here on Mackie and Judd with Rami. When we come back, it is Friday Fun Day on the Mackie and Judd with Rami show. We're going to debut He Said What? And there are some clips coming from Cody Bellinger that you have to hear him lighting up the Astros earlier today. So we'll get to that soon here. All right, welcome back to the TCL Studios here. He Said What? coming up shortly on Mackie and Judd with Rami. And uh, we're staring at two different 55-inch TCL 4K Roku TVs. I don't even don't even show it to me until I'm done. I will not be able to get you. Don't even show it to me. I don't know what you guys are doing. But TCL is America's fastest-growing TV brand. I recently, about a month ago, cut the cord. Cut the cord on cable. Cut the cord on renting. I don't know. Like I was renting like two or three different cable boxes and modems and things that I didn't even know I was paying twenty bucks, fifteen bucks a month for. Whatever. It just the cost started to add up, and I'm like, I don't know. I so I so thanks to the TCL TV and the built-in Roku device, I get access to YouTube TV, to Hulu, to Amazon Prime Video, to WWE Network, and pretty much anything else I want because there are five thousand streaming channels. <coughs> it's a lot of channels. You can find out more at any major local retailer by just staring at a TCL TV for yourself, or go to TCLUSA.com. Jonathan here with the Score North download. We'll get you back to the final segment of the week of Mackie and Judd with Rami in just one second. But first, you can win four tickets to Arnie's Cabin at this year's 3M Open through the Score North mobile app. Download the app, register your app, and enter to win. Tickets include tournament admission for Thursday, July 23rd, access to a climate-controlled hospitality tent near the 18th Green, and complimentary food and full bar. For tickets to this year's 3M Open, visit 3MOpen.com. Boys, you mentioned Kevin Garnett getting his jersey retired by the Boston Celtics before he's going to get it retired by the Minnesota Timberwolves. Well, it might get worse for the Timberwolves in a PR-looking standpoint. He is now a finalist. He is one of eight finalists for the Basketball Hall of Fame class of 2020. Unsurprising there. That uh, that class gets announced April 4th, and they get inducted in August. So the jersey doesn't get retired in Minnesota by the end of this season. He'll be a Hall of Famer before he gets his jersey retired by the Minnesota. Also, do you go in as a? It's just do you do you designate a jersey like they do in I don't baseball? Think so. Okay, just a bust of some sort. Yeah, but he he joins Kobe Bryant and Tim Duncan as among the eight finalists for that class. Spend your score on Donald. Now back to Mac and Judith Rami. Thank you, Jonathan. We'll wrap with Roycey in a little while here, but this is a Friday Fun Day on Mackie and Judd with Rami, and we are going to unveil a new Friday Fun Day segment. <laughs> Eventually, we'll have some production for this, but we like to call this "He Said What," and we're going to start with. And the and the premise of this segment is we're going to pull audio and clips that we find throughout the week, and even today, Rami has one that there is no audio of it, but we're going to read you things that Trevor Bauer said. These are just things that we find interesting, funny, or otherwise weird. But let's start with Cody Bellinger. Was asked Cody Bellinger, one of the best players in baseball, 2017 Dodgers who got beat in the World Series by the cheating Astros. Cody, what did you think about the Astros' apology tour yesterday? I thought the apologies were whatever. Uh, I thought Jim Cranes was weak. Um, I thought Manfred's punishment was weak, giving him immunity. Um, I mean, these guys were cheating for three years. Um, 
You know, I think what people don't realize is Altuve stole an MVP from Judge in 17. Um, everyone knows they stole the ring from us. I don't know what human hits a walk-off home run against Raldis Chapman to send your team to the World Series. And one has the thought to say, don't rip my jersey off. But two, go in the tunnel, change your shirt, and then come out and do your interview. Like that, that makes no sense to me. It makes zero sense to me. Because I know me, Gary Sanders said yesterday, you can rip my shirt off, my pants off. I set my team the World Series off for all this Chapman in the ninth inning at home. You can do, you know, I'm going crazy. Personally, I lost respect for those guys. Um, I think I would say everyone in the show, in the big leagues, lost respect for those guys. Yeah. Yeah, they sure did. Good job, I'm, Cody Bellinger. I'm going to stand up. That's amazing. We should all stand for Cody Bellinger. Okay. I'm standing also. Okay, can I issue one word of caution, which, sure. which I also issued to you yeah. on Score North Live, noon to two mm-hmm. on uh, weekdays with you and a rotating cast of characters, including me. Uh, and I bring it. Um, I'm not going to plot him until I'm sure he didn't cheat, too. That would be a baller thing for him to do, but which is say all of those things it's knowing full well that he also cheated. But it's been done. <laughs> it's been done before. I'm really concerned about this entire thing. Well, Bellinger, as we continue... Sorry. <gasps> Sorry, I'd love to applaud him. As we continue our tour here, Bellinger wasn't the only guy who had things to say. Trevor Bauer had things to say Dude, a couple days ago. This was amazing. He was asked one question about the Astros, and nearly 10 minutes later, he got his second question about the Astros. And these are the quotes. You guys jump in whenever you want. It's a pretty long Twitter thread, so I don't want this to just be me reading. You guys jump in whenever you want to add your commentary. They are hypocrites. They are cheaters. They've stolen from a lot of other people, and the game itself was completely unfair. You guys think they are better than everyone? Or you guys think you are better than everyone and you don't have to abide by the rules? Bleep you, you know? That's how I feel about their whole operation. If Mike Fires doesn't come out and say something, nothing gets done. Nothing. Even though all the players know this bleep is going on, it's the worst-kept secret in baseball. Talking about Jim Crane and... Citing his quote, we don't think it affected the game. You're either lying or you're a bleeping idiot. And you don't become a millionaire, a billionaire owner of a team by being a bleeping idiot. So you're lying. <laughs> then Sorry, he said, I'm going to do that. Thank you. Yes. Goes on to say, oh, we're I like co- the Jim Crane rep. He says, oh, we're coming up in four or five days. You're going to see pitchers throwing live BP with an L screen in front of them because they know, because the hitters know what's coming. That's because what I said it's yesterday. bleeping yeah. dangerous. Yeah. Byron said he hasn't heard from Manfred or MLB about his comments earlier this week that we played about how he can actually grow the game by, you know, putting it where people, you know, can watch it. And he says, no, what are they going to say? It's the bleeping truth. You think I have something valuable or you're mad at me or something like that? Then come talk to me. He can find me. What's he going to be mad about? The truth. And then talking about the state of the game, we have the best group of players the game has ever had. The most talented, the fastest, the most athletic. Yeah. Just the packaging is terrible. Yeah, dude, Trevor Bauer, man. Trevor Bauer for commissioner. No joke. Trevor Bauer should be plucked <laughs> from the pitching staff of the Cincinnati Reds and put in Rob Manfred's chair. Either him, me, or Theo Epstein. One of the three. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the whoa, wait, whoa, whoa. Joe Madden has announced that he couldn't work with Theo. <laughs> They had a falling out. What what was the thing last year? And I, I got to admit, at the time, I sort of ignored it because it bored me. But now it's relevant. That Bauer brought up about um, Houston cheating with spin rates as well. He brought up a pitching thing. Which, by the way, I, that I saw a story recently now that insinuates 
that Houston might have taken part of their plan into their minor league system. Yeah, they, he was chirping. He was definitely chirping Astros pitchers for like somehow getting more spin on their right. pitches. Do you than remember they how they were? No, or, I saw. I wish I remembered where it came from. I thought I saved the link, and I don't see it here in my notes. But somebody said somebody tweeted out yesterday that there have been suspicions around Major League Baseball for years that the Astros were basically manipulating their minor league scouting reports that's and, what, that's what and either yes. putting extra spin rate yep. on guys' reports or putting less spin rate on guys' reports to, to manipulate their value on the trade market. That's because there were certain guys who, you know, they wanted to keep in the system, I guess, and they didn't want people sniffing around yeah. in a Rule 5 draft or something like that. So they would intentionally make them look like they were less baseball players, than lesser pitchers than what they were. And there was a team, that, the story that Robbie's talking about said flat out, there was a team a couple of years ago that, that made a trade with the Astros that was very concerned about this. It didn't say the Twins, but my guess is because it, didn't the Twins get a couple, at least one if not two yeah. minor league pitching for prospects Presley, right? for Presley? Yeah. So it very well could have been the Twins because the Twins are smart enough to be like, you might be fooling with something. And Jonathan set this next one up. So, uh, Vernon Davis, you set this up for us. So, apparently, he's retiring from the NFL. That's well known. Now he wants to become an actor. And he was on SportsCenter yesterday, I believe. And they asked him to give a performance of oh one God. of the lines in the movies. Here it is. Oh, my God. You're actually getting ready to be in a movie. Tell us about that project. Yes. Uh, Red Winter, I partnered with a buddy of mine. And we, uh, through Real 85 Productions... Uh, Smoot Films, we're uh, doing a movie called Red Winter, which okay. will be will take place in Denver. Uh, we'll be shooting for about three weeks, and I'm getting geared up for that. Give, give me a line real quick. Like, right. like, get, let me set you up for one of your lines. Like, what, what should I say to you to set you up? I want to see this. Um, gosh, you put me on the spot, man. Um, <laughs> one of my lines from what, just the movie? The movie, yeah, I want to see that. I want to see you in um, character. You want to see me in character? Yeah, oh, give me something, God. Vernon. It takes, a, it takes a lot, but I can... Uh, Legitimately, my first reaction was to comfort you. All right, let's... Yeah. let's, let's. <laughs> what? <laughs> what just happened? He just started crying. He just started fake crying. He couldn't remember a line, so he just started oh, fake crying. So he could... Oh, I was going to say, he said, give me a line. He's like... <laughs> Hyperventilating on. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> and there's there's well, video of this obviously on the internet. It's, and it's, it's really good it's with amazing. the video. It's good on the air. Right? It's re- I'm actually it ha- the video happened to just come across my timeline as we were playing the sound, like it's totally amazing. coincidentally. This is the face he's making, John. We don't even need the sound. <laughs> Hold on one sec. Okay. <laughs> What the? <laughs> I'll just say this. Is he okay? It didn't sound like crying, and uh, no, the face is not the face you make when you're crying. <laughs> no, I, that's my first thought is why is he hyperventilating, and then I thought the same thing that you just insinuated. <laughs> oh boy, that was he said what on Mackie and Judd with Rami no. playing you. Entertaining and random and sometimes uncomfortable clips from <laughs> the week around Good the Good for Trevor Bauer, though. Just 
I'm on the Trevor Bauer. Good for Vernon Davis, man. I <laughs> might want to. You know, you might want to just retire. You might want to just retire, man. You're rich. You're rich beyond belief. Yeah, you're very uh, rich. Patrick Royce, what will you remember most fondly about Bruce Boudreaux's wild tenure? Uh, the, the owner's nuts. What, the hell is, what's, what kind of a goofball is this guy? God almighty. <laughs> He gives one guy 11 months, and now he just fires Boudreaux for no reason. There's no, you know, let him play out the season. What, what are you gonna, what are you, what are you trying to do here? It's, it's stupid, don't you think? I mean, I don't know. I, uh, I, 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 I didn't, you know. Obviously, I'm not a regular attendee at hockey games, but I, the, the great thing about the guy is me, who he hardly knows. I could call him at home and he talked to me, you know, answer questions. He's a hell of a guy. Yeah, and with 25 and, games uh, left, it's weird. It is. It's but uh, what do you think they're trying to set this? Which one of his lackeys did he uh, give the jab to? Dean Evason, who was the guy that Fenton oh, brought from Milwaukee, who we all thought he was going to blow up Boudreaux a year ago to hire that guy. Well, I so the the guy he brought that he knew, Garen, Garen brought. Yeah, did Garen bring somebody? No, he didn't get the job. Huh? No, no, no. He he didn't bring a coach. Oh, I thought he did. Okay. okay. No, Fenton well, did. Garen did. What? Something happened. Don't you think something happened last yeah. night? So, yeah, something's huh? ha- something has happened that they didn't want to talk about that we don't know as far as be, well, because there would be no reason to fire him now. You, I would think part of it might be Boudreaux saying, are you guys going to give me a contract or not? Yeah. You know, right? I mean, he's yeah. got this two-year consulting thing at low money, but... But you know, you know what? You know, he might have said, "What are we waiting for?" And uh, Garrett must have said, "We're not going to give you the job." So then, you know, I don't know. This is has, has Boudreaux talked or just generic quotes? I suppose generic quotes, generic quotes. And I think mm-hmm. I think he texted a few people, but I I have not seen in anything in depth. I will. I went last night and went to his post game. And if he had any inkling he was going to be fired, he is the best poker player of all time because he did not come off like a guy who knew that he was going to be fired. But he lit he lit up his squad, right? Yeah, he basically said, I need to have 18 guys and a goalie playing at their best to win games, and we didn't have that. And But Garen, this comes like two days after Garen basically called out the boys and said, hey, I traded Zucker and I might trade all of you, so... It couldn't have been his harsh comments about the team that got him in trouble, right? No, and Garen d- doubled down again today by saying something along the lines of, if they're g- going to feel bad for themselves that Bruce got fired, then they might not be the type of guys I want. Well, what did they? what is the explanation Garen and uh, Leopold gave? So there's a lot of different things. They didn't, uh, Craig didn't talk, Garen talked, and Garen basically did his best not to tell us what happened. I'm not buying the explanation. He he made it sound like he thinks they could still make the playoffs and like he was very bothered by last night, which I think is just a cover for the real reason. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I I I wonder if it was. I wonder if they were. I wonder if he was asking about the guy. How would I know? I don't know what he's asking about. But, uh, <laughs> Florida, it's worth was, I, as speculate. As I, as I said, I, but I I just would wonder if it's got something to do with the you know the. Decided they weren't going to extend him, so let him go. Yeah, how long will he be out of work? Three days. Last time, you know, it was it was uh, there was a one time that he got fired in 
Anaheim. He got fired in Washington. Or fired in Anaheim, and he was in Washington two days later, or vice well, versa. 48 hours, yes. Yes. <laughs> hey, Patrick, right. in, in my league, yeah. in my league, since the end of last season, there are 31 teams, including in-season changes and, and then obviously spring and summer of last year. Yeah. Six, yeah. 16 of 31 jobs have new coaches. Or this is this is like old times because it, it hadn't been as bad the last ten yep. years. But did you, I get a piece? I'd have to go back and look at it on how many coaches the North Stars had. I mean, Louis fired a guy with two games to go in the season that made himself the coach, trying to win two games to finish in the top sixteen out of twenty-one. <laughs> Remember that, Lauren Henning. I mean, they fired, fired Lauren Henning. They went. They went through coaches. It is a. The one I still can't believe, though, guys, is the Las Vegas guy. What the hell? They they lost three in a row, and, and he's fired. Or I mean, that was unbelievable. It's hockey, man. It's hockey, man. You get a bad vibe in the room, and the co- <laughs> yeah, coach bad, is gone. Bad vibe. You know, <laughs> coach is gone. talent really has – talent doesn't mean squat. It's what's going on in that room. You know that that really matters. It's it's what's going on in the room. This guy, but I, I said this on Twitter. I said Jed looked at it that I think he's going down as our all one of our all time loose cannon owners. Calvin, of course, is the world champion, but uh, you know the original Twins owner. But uh, uh, he wants to fire a guy because he thought uh, they thought they like the fans would come out and buy tickets if they had another Italian as a manager. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> Fired Martin, and then they then they stopped going to games like Brigney's second year, and then he, in '72 he gave Quillacy the job because he thought the fans wanted an Italian. So anyway, so I don't think Leopold's that goofy, but Galvin was lovably goofy. We'll see if if the next if the next coach's name is Vinny or something in the off season. Then maybe yeah, we'll, maybe we'll yeah, know. But Leopold is. I mean, God Almighty, this is this is how many already? How many? Uh, Jacques was here. The whole time, right, with the Risebrow, right? Yes. Judd, and then he gave him one year and fired him? Uh, no, so I, many, this is, I thought Jacques left when Leopold got, got here and they hired, and then Riser was gone and they hired Fletcher, who hired Todd Richards, well, Mike Yell. They didn't officially hire Lamar, but they got rid of him. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, they didn't officially fire him, but, but he's gone. But he's gone. He's gone. Richards, Yo, Torchetti, right, as interim coach. Boudreaux, yeah. and now this guy who's going to be here for 25 games. Wow. Well, hey, nice to have a screwball owner. I don't know. I, as I said on Twitter, though, I wasn't surprised that Russo fired Fenton, but I thought he got along with Boudreaux, <laughs> so I'm surprised that he fired him. I think he liked Bruce. Uh, Pat, the, the, other, the other big news from earlier today, or I guess late last night, the Celtics will retire Kevin Garnett's number before the Timberwolves will. Your thoughts? Well, and because Kevin... Has anyone ever been so bitter to a human being who paid him $250 million? That's what I want to know. How much did Glenn Taylor pay this guy? Yeah, it, uh, a lot of money. I mean, any owner would have paid him that, but yeah. Well, not really. He made him the, he made him such a high paid player with that first con, after the, you know, his second contract after that. They changed the rules, right? They went to the maximum contract. So, uh, well, he, I don't even know. What is he mad at? I guess that 
Tibbs wouldn't keep him around? Was that it? Is that what he's mad at? I don't even know. Well, Flip Flip told him he, he was going to get a piece of the team, and then when Flip died, that sort of all dried up, and I think that began the next feud between Glenn and Kevin. Yeah, well, Glenn did have those quotes about, what were the, those goofy quotes he had one day? Once in a while, he you know, I... I'm not going to get too far out on a limb here, but once in a while, Glenn gets a little of that comfrey Minnesota uh, uh, stuff going, and it's hard to follow sometimes the uh, yeah. the, uh, the stream of consciousness there. But uh, yeah, but the only reason Garnett's doing it is to make the tour of Timberwolves look bad, and that's you know what the heck. Yeah. That's uh, uh, in, well, Pat. Anywho, we uh, we will talk to you on Monday, and we'll see if there's any, if it's been a month and a half of just like a new trade or something every other day. So we'll see if something happens <laughs> this weekend. Unbelievable! <laughs> yeah, I was I was following the lobster around on a hot, steamy day in uh, in Naples, watching him play his first round of senior golf, and I damn near collapsed. God, it was hot. Yeah. So anyway, all right, Pat, we'll, we'll see you Monday. That is rapping with Royce here. Somewhat Tim Herring. Oh, Lumpy. okay, Tim Herring. Yeah. Okay, Lumpy. All right. Hey, we got like a minute, minute and a half left in the show here. And since it is a Friday fun day, I'm Mackie and Jeb with Rami. A mm-hmm. couple people have tweeted in requesting an oldie but a goodie Ooh. from Songs by the U-Log a few oh, years ago. This is gonna, I'm going to tear up here. We recorded a song with our old producer, Dave Harrigan, called Must Be Boudreaux. Rami, would you like to hear it? I don't think I've heard this. Yeah, love to. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.